0: Plot twists. We are obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story that takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, super fan of cinema, sport, comedy, and I'm partial to the old impression. And throughout this series brought to you by Now and Sky, I'll be interviewing TV and film stars asking them all about the plot twist moments that define their lives and careers. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems you've never heard before. Expect spoilers. In my intro to this very podcast, some of you will know that I say I am partial to the odd impression, and on a couple of occasions, my Alan Partridge has slipped out, for want of a better phrase. But over the years, the likes of John Coleshaw, Frank Caliendo, even Matt Friend more recently provided so much laughter and entertainment. It is such a skill. And my guest this week is a man who has mastered over 200 impressions. How is that, how is that possible? 200 impressions. It is phenomenal.
1: Well, The Rock says this. The Rock is already pretty much uh, a vegan jabroni. You make sure she walks on the inside, not the outside. She walks on the inside of you, you understand?
2: It's easy, it's totally easy, it's absolutely phenomenal if I was a Kung Fu master, which I am.
1: Jay
0: Farrow is one of the most celebrated comedic impressionists in the US. He's famed for impersonations of The Rock, Kevin Hart, Barack Obama, Will Smith, Jay-Z, Kanye West. I mean, the list goes on. There's about 193 others. Incredible. Now, in the US, the comedic scene is slightly different to the UK. Improvisation is a big part of their landscape. And the staple for improv comedy is Saturday Night Live. It is a comedy sketch show in the US that has been running for 48 years, since 1975. It's an American institution. And Jay was on that very show for six years, and he's done many projects since. As you can imagine, I couldn't wait to speak to him, hear all these different impressions, but actually he had quite an incredible story behind it all that I didn't actually fully appreciate beforehand. So I'm gonna let him explain that to you. So strap in, here is the brilliant Jay Farrow on Plot Twist. In the intro to this podcast, I say I'm an impressions lover. I think of guys like Rich Little, Frank Caliendo, even like Robin Williams, but you Jay Farrow, you are the best in the business.
3: Hey man, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: That's uh I, I sincerely mean that. That's high praise. <laughs> but I've kind of got a bone to pick with you. Like when you come to the UK, dude. When 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 are you gonna come over? You know,
3: my love uh hate relationship with the UK was all contingent <laughs> on past relationships, but now since I'm I'm not in those, I can I can travel freely and uh not feel any type of way. So I was supposed to set something up to go over there before the pandemic struck, and then it struck, and then we were forced to stay in our houses for five years, it feels like. So um, I got to reconcile those relationships with the folks overseas, and I guess my agency has to do that. But I was planning to do a um, tour over there, man, with the UK, and then go over there to Denmark and all of that. So I got to get that back on the books.
0: 2024 I can I can feel it I can see it damn
3: right 2024 baby
0: <laughs>
3: we don't get older we get better
0: <laughs> you've been to the UK before though right you performed over here before
3: yeah, yeah yeah I did uh I did the real deal comedy jam back in 2009 I was just a, I was 21 I was such a ba- I was a kid I was such a baby but it was it was fun man it was me uh Corey Holcomb um, Toju, uh, uh, another comedian named uh, Jamie Jamie Howard, uh, another and another comedian named Rudy Lickwood, and uh, and we hit. And I remember my name. I remember before, yeah, Rudy Lickwood. He did some he did some some slick talk <laughs> shit too. With <When, laughs> it was before I went on stage because I was the first comedian from America to go up. So it was the 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 UK. They did their uh they did their half first. And the host, the host was Rudy Liquid and he's from the UK. And Rudy was like, uh, after all the comedians went up from the UK, he goes up. He's like, I love, I love my country. I love the UK. We are the best comedians in the world, in the UK. But tonight,
2: what we have are comedians from America. So give it up for jay Ferris
3: i said oh well he going wow what an intro so i got it now <laughs> and that is, the uk comedians are the best in the world and we're just rubbish you know <laughs> we're just we're just we're, we're rubbish you know what i'm saying so i was like all right all right i was i was young though i was young i should i would have tore his ass up if it was today we would i would have I would have ripped them anew and then I would have went on with my set. But I, but, <laughs> but back then, man, I was, I was a little nicer, a little not, as, not as seasoned and experienced.
0: I want to talk about your story. Um, but thinking like to that point and everything that's happened to you since then, are you a reflective kind of guy? Because I was watching all the clips, everything you've done, SNL, all the talk show appearances, yeah. doing sketches with Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Do you reflect on that and think, like, damn, like, that's pretty crazy what I've done. That's the stuff I would have dreamed about at that point.
3: Yeah, you know, when I was in it doing it, not so much because uh, I didn't used to sit in my blessings and appreciate them like I do now. But in retrospect, looking back, yeah, man, every one of those moments are are just um, are, are rare and in between for anybody and to be able to. To be able to perform and do a music video with Michelle Obama and get your song like number two on iTunes. To be able to <laughs> lampoon the president or SNL. To be able to be beside Jamie Foxx, who's one of the most talented individuals that God has ever put on this green earth, and to be able to um, to go back and forth and you know the camaraderie that was built with that and. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Hudson, just, yeah. you know, Ellen, you think of all these people, Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey, who gave me a, a massive push. Steve uh, Harvey. Uh, he's one of those, he's one of those giants, like, like a Laura Michaels, you know what I mean? Who, who definitely has uh, come into this business and made smart decisions, man. When you, when you look back on all of that stuff, you're like, damn, I did a lot. But then you look at the clock and you're like, and I'm only 35. So I've just began. Good God. So it's a pat on the back moment, but it's also a reflective moment of how far you have come. It's a look to the future, excitement for the future, because that's not even the it's not even the tip of the iceberg, man.
0: I mean, that's a hell of a foundation, dude. Yeah, man,
3: <laughs> that's pretty cool. It's just saying, it, and I'm like, "Good God, I didn't even think about it like that." But yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's, that's wild.
0: <laughs> Talk to me about when it's when it started. Then, like when this love for comedy and obviously the impressions began. Where, where was the first moment you can recollect where you think that was? I used to the start the love affair.
3: I used to do it. You know what? Speaking speaking of love affair, you know that that ties perfectly into the answer because I used to do it to get girls to like me when I was younger. That's what I used to do. I could I could do these impressions. And, you know, I started at, I started doing impressions at six years old. So uh, I had a girlfriend named Sarah at six. And uh, I said, yo, let me just- As you did. And I did uh, Iago from Aladdin. And from that moment, I kept I just kept doing it. She was just telling me, she was like, yo, you have to, you gotta, you're really good at that. You've gotta keep going. At six years old. Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert you... Godfrey, Iago. I'm out and Jafar! You know, like (laughs) that guy. So, (laughs) so much easier to do before puberty hit, but still be able to go into that range is, uh, is beautiful. So she told me to keep going with it, man. And then, and I just kept, uh, imitating. I kept, I imitated cartoon characters. I did, um, Ed, Ed and Eddie. I did, uh, Forrest Gump. I would do Looney Tunes. I would do, um, Johnny Bravo. I would, <laughs> I would do Dexter's, Dexter's Lab. I would do Dexter. From, and then I would do celebrities. Bernie Mac. You know, your, uh, your, your Chris oh, Tucker's. Oh, Mac. Yeah, man. You're, you're blessed. I'm a Every time I do an impersonation, I got to make sure I'm in the pocket, you know. So I'm going to take one year off, oh, make sure I'm still in there and I do so many, you know. Um, and then it was uh, Crocodile Hunter, Steve Irwin, and then Cat Williams and... Uh, uh, Ricky Smiley's characters, Buford, uh, the grandmother, it was, uh, and then it was Bill Clinton. And then, uh, and then it was Jay-Z, Eddie Murphy. And then, and it was, and I was doing right by, by the time you knew it, it, Denzel was in there, Will Smith was in there and I was just impersonating, um, everybody. So and now, damn, that repertoire has grown. Even though it went to about a hundred, it was over a hundred and fifty something when I left SNL. Now it's over two hundred voices.
0: That is mad, without a doubt. Yeah, that's a crazy range. <laughs> yeah, man. I was a man. I remember Bernie Mac. That was a hell of an impression. He was in a film called Was It Mister Three Thousand? It was like yeah, a baseball film. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. That was so cool. He
3: was such a good. He's such a good actor, but. Also, man, to be able to be funny like that and to be vulnerable in certain roles that he did, too. And I feel like another person who really has vulnerability mastered is Robin Williams. Robin Williams has it mastered. Every character that you see that he portrays, you can see the innocence in the character's eyes. It's like there's always a childlike innocence to every one of his characters. And it's like, I guess that's the bit of him that we see portrayed through Patch Adams, portrayed through um, Mrs. Doubtfire, even like um, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, That's one. but what I'm trying to say is, um, the best comedians can morph into the souls of other people, make you believe that those people on screen are those people when in fact they're not. They're another actor, another person playing it, and then to be able to make you laugh and cry on spot. So easily and uh, uh, and lucidly, so clearly, it's it's just a you got to be a real good actor to do that.
0: Yeah. So you're making girls laugh at school. Yeah. You're Using your impressions to to woo them, if you will. Yeah. When does that translate to you getting first on stage?
3: Um. Well, you know, there was a drought of ladies from the age of uh, eight, <laughs> like eight to like sixteen. I was gained weight. I got fat, and then. Uh, you know, I was a hef- heavy kid, and I was still trying to get over that. So, you know, that kind of took away. It doesn't matter. You're a little kid. You don't realize it's just all about having confidence. No matter how you look. You know what I mean? As long as you have confidence and you're comfortable, nobody can really say anything about that. So people are more drawn and attracted to you. That's just how it is. But you don't know that when you're a kid because you're trying to fit in. So there was a drought uh, <laughs> for like eight years. <laughs> and uh, during that time, you know, I, I developed a uh, habitual, uh, lifestyle of getting picked on. So I was, I was getting picked on and, um, it wasn't really bad in intermediate school, but being 10 years old and and going to middle school, yeah, it changes, you know, and it was a drastic change because I went, I went from a, you know, a predominantly, uh, white school district to being thrust into, a predominantly black school district. Total culture shock for me because I had never experienced that before. You know, I remember I was, I was, I went into school and I was talking and all the black kids like, why you talk like that? Oh, you talk, why you talk like that? I'm like,
2: talk like what?
3: (laughs) You know, you mean articulate? You're supposed to sound like this. Everyone is. (laughs) And then it it was so crazy because a month in that school district, I came back to the house and I was like, "What up, ma?" She was like, "Who is that?" I was like, i was like this how, I, this how I sound now. This how I, you know this 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 the voice. This the this is really me." And she was like, "I don't know what they doing to you over there, but they need to stop it." I was like, it, "It's impossible because uh, now I'm in it. I'm in it, baby. I'm in it. You know, so yeah. <laughs> I go from that to I'd say, all right, some bullying in middle school. I was like, all right, cool, whatever." bullying in middle school, stuff was still funny, so I didn't care. I got to high school, it got worse. So in ninth grade, went to private school, and the kids tried to bully me there. They tried, but I was like, oh, no, this is not happening, especially not from y'all. Like, this is back into a pocket of a white school district. I said, I'm not getting bullied by y'all. I've just survived all these black people. So I started firing back and joking and, like, cook. I mean, like, flaming, like, I... <laughs> <laughs> I told one boy he had Arnold Schwarzenegger tits. And it was it was just like, it, it would be the most disrespectful things. But I was, a at this time, I'm a sophomore. And these kids are seniors. And I was the only kid in school at this private school that had the, the huspa, the testicular fortitude, if you will, <laughs> to go up against these dudes. Because everybody was scared of them. I was like, yo, these dudes, look at them. Like, their parents own stock. Like, no, they're not hard. There's nothing hard about these guys. What are they, gang banging the country clubs? That shit doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Why are y'all so scared of them? And because of that, I started getting up and, like, <laughs> I started getting up in front of those kids and I started performing. I was performing in church and small pockets in front of people. If you knew, you knew. It wasn't on the big stage yet. But in school, yo, I'd be in the auditorium messing around. I would be, you know, I'm, of course I'm in the classrooms. I am like, I'm, I'm performing at that point. I'm performing. So the next year, so I left and went back to public school the next year. And, um, you know, uh, my confidence was getting, was, was raising, you know, it was, it was raising. So my uncles and uh, my cousins, they knew I could do voices and, and comment. I was funny and all that. My parents, they never knew that. Because you know, most of the time I I would always keep the door closed or whatever. I, they thought probably thought I was doing back there touching myself or something. But I was really practicing. That's what I was really doing. It, it, you know, I'm saying it could have it could have been an idea. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, at, at my uncle Butch's Christmas party uh, in 2003, he calls me up. My uncle's my uncle say, "Hey, Uncle, I say, yo, Joe, yo get up and do the get up and do the impression. Do the Bernie Mac. You know, do the Crocodile Man." I get up. And I performed in front of my whole family. Mind you, my father had never seen this before. He was he looked and he was like, and that next February that came up, he put me in this talent competition called the Virginia Idol Talent Search, which out of the whole thing, I got fifth place. And it was dancers, hey, that's singers. A good yeah, it was dancers. I beat the comedians, make no mistake, but I but it was it was all dancers, singers were in front of me. The singers and the, and the dancers were in front of me. You, if somebody got a vocal that can move, move. If you can move a note, a joke in a note, they gonna pick a note. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so after that, I just continued to. I continue to do it. You know, I hit uh, local comedy clubs, uh, Thoroughgood Comedy Club, Bayside Inn, uh, little venues in Virginia Beach. You know that they had uh, some places off the Eastern Shore. I hit uh, Thoroughgood got shut down. I went to uh, Cozy's Comedy Club and Newport News, and um, where else did they do comedy? They did comedy at this play, co- place called the Eighth Street Theater. Wow, Eighth Street Theater back in Suffolk, Virginia. It was like a jazz night, and I remember. Um, I remember. I think I was I was nineteen at the time, and Michael Blackson was the headliner, and I could do Michael Blackson. So before he got on stage, <laughs> like I was doing an impersonation of him, and he was in the back. And they say he was wilding out. Like, who the fuck is this Mudisoka? Who is this Mudisoka <laughs> doing this thing? He was taking my ass. What is he doing? Hey, who, who is this guy? He didn't know that I wasn't. He thought I was just a, a African doing it. No, mother, I'm no, I'm black, I'm black American. That's what I'm doing. I'm a I'm an impressionist, sir. So when he got that, he was like, ah, oh. oh, it's funny. You sound you sound just like me, Mother sucker. That's so crazy. I don't know how you do that. But you sound just like I do. Anyway, anyway. So we'll just continue. And that same year, that same time frame of about six months, and six months before, in 2006, uh, Freeze Love had saw me at the Virginia Beach Funny Bone. that's the place I started going when I was 18. They didn't allow me to go in there before. When I was 18, they were like, yeah, all right, cool, fine. Yeah, put an X in. You're not going to drink. I ain't want to drink anyway. Liquor to me was disgusting. <laughs> I was like, it's bitter, makes you fat. Why are you drinking this shit? Makes no sense. Anyway, so <laughs> Freeze Love, if you, you'll know him from uh, Malcolm and Eddie. He's done a whole bunch of projects and things. Great actor, uh, phenomenal comedian. He, he went on the road with Charlie Murphy, and he was on the road with him at the time, and he saw my act, and he said, homie, so, he's like, yo, I've never seen somebody do as many impersonations, but have them like you did it. Yo, homie, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you to Charlie Murphy. Yeah, I go on the road with him, and I didn't believe him at first. I was like, Yo, who is this guy? But I remember where I had seen him from. I was like, Maybe he's not BSing. Came that February 2007, called me down to the Funny Bone. Charlie Murphy saw me perform. Uh, I did my did my Cameron Dipset bit that was killing at the time. You know, us comedians, <laughs> we got one good bit in the beginning that like holds us over. And then when we get older, once you get a little more comfortable, then you start coming up with hours and hours of material. But at that time, I had one good bit and some voices. That's all I had at the time. So I did that. I did this camera on a dip set bit. And then Charlie Murphy saw it. He calls
1: me up to the green room. He would say, yo, man, that was hilarious, man. That was hilarious as hell, man. Never seen nobody do that like that, man. It's like, yo, man, shit. You did that can't a dip shed impression, man. I was on my back laughing like a turtle, man. You great at that, man. <laughs> I'm going to take you on the road yes. with me, man. I'm going to take you on the road with me, man. You ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I said, let me hit
3: up Burlington Coat Factory and tell them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So-, <laughs> so Charlie started taking me on the road with him. And, uh, you know, you a beginner, man. You don't get you don't get that much uh, money. So I still simultaneously had my job at Burlington Coat Factory. I was still working that. But they would work with my schedule. They would allow me to take off. You know, even sometimes when, you know, it would be really sad because everybody had called out and there would only be one person in there working. And I had a show. I was like, I ain't going to be able to come in. Please don't do this to me, Jay. That's what the manager, <laughs> that's what the manager said one time. <laughs> I'm like sorry, Miss Tina. I gotta, I gotta make my dream come true. But they always, they always believed in me, man. No matter what, so they always would let me. They would let me go to gigs, and it was never a problem for them.
0: You need that. You need that in the background. People that are, you know, just like silently backing you. Yeah. You know, not holding you back and trying to, I don't know, see you in a different direction, like a professional route. Actually, following your dreams. Yep. Absolutely. Let me ask. I was going to ask a follow on a plot twist, but I thought very quickly. Let me ask you a couple of. We call them like the random question generator. Just very random questions. Hey, look, a chance for us to get to know each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What is the, I mean, what's the best advice you've been given to date?
3: Never be afraid to fail. Never be afraid to fail. When you fail, you become stronger. When you become stronger, you become visible. When you're visible, your talent is undeniable because it's seen by everybody. And when that happens, you shoot into superstardom. So never be afraid to fail.
0: I think that keeps you grounded as well, right? Absolutely don't
3: be afraid to try anything that's number two try whatever if it aligns with yourself i ain't saying to join a cult if that ain't what you like doing you know what i mean but as long as it aligns with your spirit go for it try it you know what i'm saying do that
0: yeah i get that i get that yeah if you could uh trade the life of someone you do an impression of for one day oh shit. One I day be? you get to go in their shoes.
3: Oh Jay Z. Oh be Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> For obvious yeah, I reasons. Be... <laughs> <laughs> I would I would definitely do Jay Z. And if I could do ASAP Rocky, it would be ASAP Rocky. I would I would <laughs> I would swap places with him. You know why? I don't have to be too graphic or crass. Yeah, I think I got a vibe. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I got a
0: feeling. Yeah. You get, it, you
3: get. It. I mean, because I mean, a lot of people don't even know, man. I got, I got one baby and another baby on the way. People don't know that, dog. Oh, congratulations! Thank you, man. Yep. Me and Rihanna are gonna do a real good job raising these children together. We really <laughs> are.
2: <laughs>
0: What's up? Um... Because, I mean, you've, like you said that earlier, you've got to meet a lot of the people you do an impression of. Yeah. Um, and, like, I've been like, people like Obama and stuff. It's just, it's just incredible. But what's been, like, the best reaction that you've had when you've done it to their face? Because that's quite daunting.
3: Oh, uh, man. What is the best reaction I've had of somebody doing it to their face? Uh, I think Stephen A. Smith was, like, one of the best ones. <laughs> I love Stephen. Like, because
2: he. He was like, do I really sound like that? I don't sound like that. That, that, that can't be me. I, I, I guess so, I guess so, I guess so. I guess you have a point. You have a point. I guess it does sound like me. You have a point.
3: <laughs> Jay-Z was, was horrifying. When I did Jigger for Jigger, that was horrifying. Obama, when I did Obama for Obama, that was horrifying. Horrifying, man. Cause he was right there and I was like, uh, is am I doing okay, sir? No, you're you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, I do not let you run the country, but I mean, you you you, you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> like, oh no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much responsibility. I would say, with Stephen A. Smith was the best. Was the best one. Kanye ranted about my impression of him in 2014 at the Made in America Festival in front of 50,000 plus people. I was like, oh shit, I made it cuz he called up, <clears throat> calls me after I do the MTV thing. Which now me looking back at it, I'm like, ooh, ooh hey, ooh, I like, ooh. Yeah. I hate looking at it. I I won't I won't look at the performance <laughs> even though it wasn't bad. It was, <laughs> it was it was it was fine. But um <laughs> but Kanye called me after The awards, and he was like, "You know, um
2: you know, bro, like you know, like, I'm happy for you, bro. And um, I just want to, like, let you know, like, where I come from. And, like, you know, like, all the constituents of Kanye.
3: And so he's, ta- he's talking to me uh, nicely, like, real cordial, but, uh, super gregarious. And then the next night, cut to him getting on stage.
2: <clears throat> I called Jay Pharoah right after the MTV. I was like, where was this energy at
3: yesterday, homie? You ain't... <laughs> You ain't say it like that. You was, you was Betty Crocker yesterday. You was freaking Martha Stewart. Now you came out on Terry <laughs> Crews and Mike Tyson. Where did this come from? So, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. I feel like you
0: were. that was like a transition phase for Kanye, wasn't it? Like 2014, that was just like it the was. old stuff, like the good stuff. And then this new phase. And to I'm today. like,
3: and, I, and after looking at all of that shit those years back, because after that night happened, man, I swear, I said to myself, I said, yo, I made it. I said, yo, Kanye West just dissed me. And it's, it's recorded, it's, it's in history, it will never leave. I said, yo, this is great. I won. I felt like that until 2019 came around. <laughs> And Pete Davidson smashed his wife. I said, oh, that's what I should have I was like, that's, that's how you shoot to superstardom. I missed it. I just did the impression. I should have went for Kim. I should have. I should have.
0: Let me ask you a plot twist question. This also obviously is the plot twist podcast, right? Plot twist can happen to all of us in our life. What is, for you, Jay Farrow, the standout plot twist that you've had so far in your journey?
3: Oh, man, the standout plot twist I had was back in 2009 when um, the Charlie Murphy gig started drying up. I had quit my job at Burlington. I went away to school. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I didn't have a job. My sister didn't have a job. But we were told that if we could get to New York City, they have this circuit. It's called the Chitlin Circuit. It's like all these underground black comedy rooms that you do. I don't even know if they're underground. It just the the hole-in-the-wall comedy spots that you do, and you'll get paid $75, $100, $125 contingent on where you're at. And um, back in 2009, my sister and I just decided to hit the road. She ended up selling her jewelry so we could have gas money to get up there, to hit the circuit. So she sells her jewelry. We get the gas money. We go up there, do the first week bring in like, I don't know, probably like $1,300. So she's my manager at the time. You get 10%. So I take in, you know, I take whatever. You take the 10%, whatever. So we kept doing it like that. We kept hitting those rooms and we started building up and going up there more. Then while we were going up there, somehow I got seen by uh, ICM, the agency. It was this, uh, this gentleman, it's still my friend today, Josh Pearl. And he was my agent at the time over there. He's one of the agents at CAA now. I'm at CAA now, too. I just came over there. But he saw me. He was like, man, I want to sign you. So, bam, there you go. Now I got signed. Now I'm going to New York again. I'm getting auditions. I got this audition for this um, show called Pink House. It was a pilot. I read for it, didn't get it. But because the audition was so good, it passed around the NBC company. Marcy, everybody there, they were, they were, everybody was like, Who is this kid? We have to get him on something. So from that audition, I acquired a holding deal, a hundred thousand dollar holding deal at NBC. Damn, yep, I had that. They were like, We don't know what to do with you yet, but we want to do something. I said, Okay, then I'm getting flown out at that time. I'm shooting skits, sketches, I'm shooting them. I shot that Will Smith Denzel Washington sketch. That joint went viral. That was the third time I did it. I did it two different ways. The the first time, it was this apocalyptic thing that the story didn't make sense. It was funny as hell, though. The second one was the Will Smith versus Denzel trailer. They were about to fight. The third one was the the behind-the-actor spoof that I did, behind-the-actor series, which was a spoof of what would have happened, why these two characters never made a movie together. That goes viral. So, bam, here we go. Now... This is 2010. This is January 2010. I'm still going out on the road. I'm getting flown out for meetings to California now. So that's going on. So now (laughs) that's three deals I got on the table. I got NBC, I got BT, and I got Fox, right? But what is my dream, man? My dream is to be on SNL. I did not know how to get there. However, I had already sent an audition tape to them in 2009, so in 2010, they called me in to audition. I auditioned August 2010. I went in. My girlfriend, and my ex-girlfriend had ticked me off because she broke up with me right before the audition, a few days before. Bet she regrets that. God dang, <laughs> you know? I... <laughs> Hey, because of her, I got on the show. You understand? I was mad. I said, oh, I'm going to show you. I'm going to kill this audition. Destroyed the audition. They called me three weeks later. Lauren Michaels is like, are you ready? Your life Your life is about to change. Damn. Are you ready to come to New wow. York? I'm like, yes, I'm ready to come to New York. So that was my turning That's point in getting on the show. And the rest is history.
0: That's incredible. And then... That transition as well, like your sister giving up so much and taking that risk to make that drive to do those shows to then get to that point in a year, that is, that's crazy.
3: Yeah, man, she believed in me, man. That's what you need. All you need is somebody, especially a woman, man. When a woman believes in you, man, you can conquer the world.
0: Talk to me about SNL because it is this amazing institution and has delivered so many household names talk to me about like what it's like behind the scenes and the experience of doing that because it's incredible writing it's a quick turnaround it's it's a lot of improv it's it's an amazing environment
3: yeah it's amazing man it's also uh it's one of the hardest environments to try to mature in it's easier if you already kind of have established your voice to be on that show um i would say that And if you're kind of still learning it and you're still experimenting you're still trying to find out what's funny to you, you still don't even really know yet. You know, so if you're if you're younger, if you're older, you already have that established. And if you have a sketch writing background, you really already have a leg up on that show. So it's uh, advantageous for anybody who wants to get on that show to have some type of sketch um, training prior I mean, I did. I had some sketch training prior mm. thanks to going to VCU. I was in a sketch improv team. And you know, we did um, we did skits or whatever. So I, I learned how to play off of people. Something that, you know, was far in between when you do stand-up. It's just you up there. The experience, man, you it's 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 life-changing. You know, the shoulders you get to brush up there is it's insane. Everybody from Cuba Gooding to 50 Cent to Jay-Z to Justin Timberlake, and when these folks come up to your Parents and they say things like your son is very talented. It was like, oh, I can't. Like he's just he's he's he's, he's wow. incredibly talented. You know, he's got the gift. When you hear that for solidification, man, it really it, it verifies that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then the work ethic that you learn, you know, every week putting in writing two sketches a week, even if it gets pulled. My my sketches got pulled a lot of the time. Sometimes it would it would seem like I wasn't on uh I, I wasn't doing anything. I'm like, no, I'm writing. I'm up I'm I'm here from two PM until 10 a.m in the morning the next morning. So you learn how to basically have a heart of steel in that place. Mm-hmm. You can't let the, the week before dictate the next week because it can be totally different. You're in seven sketches this week, and then next week, you're in one. Or you're in three sketches this week, and they kill, and the next week, you're in nothing. You have to learn how to manage your ego at that place and not take it so Mm. personal. Because of the competitive atmosphere that it is, and because everybody is auditioning for their job every week. And the hours that you have to put in, man, the hours... I think about all the time that could have been spent in the clubs or whatever. I'm like, no, I was at work when you all were doing that. You know, yes. Yeah, and once it's you intense. once you finish uh, working at a place like that, everywhere else is easy. You don't nothing else is hard. That is the most fast paced, um, beautiful job it is that, that you'll ever experience. You understand? And a lot of people, yeah. you can get burned up if you don't know how to deal with it. But, hey, if you know how to deal with that mess, not nah, you'll have a great time. It's just, life is just all about having fun, man. And you just got to remember to have fun. 100%. 100%.
0: Yeah. Let's, I, I know everyone does this on the interviews, but I can't not do it with you here. If I give you a couple of impressions and maybe like a scenario, if, if you're comfortable with that. I'm, I know I thought you would be. So I've got a date <laughs> coming up this Friday. Uh-huh. And I wondered, I wondered what Denzel Washington, what advice he would give me, you know, for the date.
1: I can't give you too much advice, Junior. But what I can tell you is um, when you get in there, you better make a good impression. You understand? You make sure she walks on the inside, not the outside. She walks on the inside of you. You understand? That's called being a gentleman, right? Okay. You also wash your funky ass. That's what you do, right? You wash your funky ass. Do you understand me? That's right. Because crusty, dusty men don't get asked. They get asked to leave, all right? That's what happens, okay? So you got to be clean, all right? Get in there and take a shower before you take her out. So when you pull your pants down, it doesn't smell like sweet and sour testicles. You understand? Huh? That's exactly what you got to do. You got to do And then when you get in there, you get in that thing, and you make that thing purr. You understand? You make that cat purr. Mm? Yeah, you make it no, that's a bird. I'm sorry. There you go. Huh? That's right. Yeah, my man. So you understand yeah. that? You understand that, like? I... <laughs> yeah. I'll take that on board. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's right. Wash what yourself. about if um?
0: <laughs> what what about if um Kevin Hart woke up and he was six foot three?
2: Uh, god damn! First of all, I want to say thank God. I uh, never thought I'd get this tall, uh, but. Uh, got enough money, so, uh, <laughs> I orchestrated the surgery, so obviously I knew it was going to happen. Now that it happened, I'm dunking on everybody, swear to God. Shaq, I'm dunking on Shaq. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Ego dollar, swear to God, you're not going to kick me in the nuts. Why? Because i be above you with my testicles on your forehead. Swear to God, all day. I'm taller. <laughs> uh.
0: What about Dwayne The Rock Johnson becoming vegan?
2: Well, the,
3: well, the rock says this, the rock is already pretty much, uh, a vegan jabroni. The rock likes, uh, <laughs> everything has to be uh, vegan for me. So
2: what I love is, uh, vegan noodles. Have you had vegan spaghetti? It's the best thing that's ever been created. It's the best thing, jabroni. The rock loves it. I love it. <laughs> I love, uh, I love these new,
3: uh, inventions. Uh, you know, uh. So nobody suspects the juice.
0: (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. It's so
0: good. Uh, Can we do one more quickly? Donald Trump talking about wanting to star in House of the Dragon.
2: Wait, wait, one more time. What's the subject? The subject? House of the Dragon. You want to star in it, Mr. President. Oh, into the dragon? Come on, I'm the best, the best ever. I'd be the best martial artist ever created. I am the best martial artist ever created. I am into the dragon. If you enter the trump, I'll insert an ass whooping. I seriously will. It's easy. It's totally easy. It's absolutely phenomenal. If I was a Kung Fu master, which I am a Kung Fu master. I've been a Kung Fu master for a long time. An amazing, phenomenal kung fu master, nobody greater, the best kicker ever created. Absolutely phenomenal. So I hope I get a chance to do it because I could kick everyone's ass, especially Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. Come on, I'm the greatest. So phenomenal. (laughs)
0: Oh my God, so good. It's the physicality with that impression as well. That just is incredible. Yeah. To, to to close off Jay to close things off because I appreciate um had a lot of your time but plot twist person a surprise entity in your life who has been an influence that you perhaps wouldn't have expected who's who might be the person that would come to mind
3: surprise influence in my life um, I didn't expect you know what Steve Harvey man oh Steve Harvey shout. I did not expect Steve Harvey to uh, take take a liking to me the way he did. I didn't expect him to give me so much game like he gave me so much game. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, boy,
2: boy, you need you a show. You need you a show in Africa, boy. You got to get you a show in Africa, boy. You know how much money that they spend over there, boy? It's about a billion people over there, boy. Like, he just, the way that he just, he, he talks to me on the side and he gives me
3: game. I never expected one of the kings of comedy to be like that with me. I did expect, I see these guys. I've, I I never met Bernie, but I met Cedric, I know DL. All these guys have been nice, uh, cordial, and super sweet. But Steve is the one, Steve and DL, DL too. But Steve sat me
2: down and was like, he said, this is what you got to do, boy. You got to do everything just like this. You do everything like this here, you going to make yourself a lot of money, boy. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? So he, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, man, so Steve, oh. for sure.
0: Well, he because he had the humble start, didn't he? He he had to, he had to graft enough. and really fight his way through. Yeah, and he was like living in his car. Living in his
3: car. Same thing, story. you know, same thing Tiffany had, it, same thing with Tyler Perry. You know, when you, mm. when you lack thereof and then you get it, you're not going to allow it to get lost again. You're not going to allow it to get lost again because you remember how it felt when you didn't have a dime in your pocket. You remember how it felt when you could only afford to get a slice of cheese pizza and a soda, and that was what you ate all week while you were living out of your car. You never forget those feelings of not having. So when you get and you didn't have, you will never, you never want to have that feeling again. So you're always going to make sure. And you don't want other people to have the feeling. So perhaps that's the reason why he was so nice And he had so much gratitude giving the game because he's like, listen, man, you're a young brother coming up, you got money, but you need to keep your money. So if you want to do that, these are the the little keys. These are the tools that you can use to keep it. You know, investing is one thing. You have to invest, but you get yourself one of those shows that's in syndication that keeps on going. That you can keep on getting paid for, which is one of the reasons we are striking and fighting right now for those uh, residual checks and all of these artificial intelligent apps that are coming out mm-hmm. and, and using people's likeness and not paying them. This that, that's why we're doing it. If you get yourself one of these shows that loops and you can be like a full house. Our family matters, our Fresh principal heir, your children, your children's children, their children's children, and everybody from that bloodline will never have to worry about going broke because the work was already cemented for you.
0: Yep. I feel like it's people like you and Steve Harvey that... It's when you're on the, re- the way up, there's a work ethic, right? And if you can remember where you come from, you maintain that work ethic. And that's what gets you to the point where someone like yourself is.
3: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I would say this, giving from the abundance of your heart and not expecting back. If somebody comes up to you and they ask for some money, give it to them. If you have it, if you're able to give it to them, give it to them. If you don't have it, of course you can't give it to them. But if you have that blessing... And you bless people in that way, you never have to worry about going broke because God is always going to replenish your pockets. So if you can bless somebody like that, do it. Or even if it's just some advice or something that you have, whatever gift that you have that God has blessed you with, find out what it is and help people by using it.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on this podcast, having this chat. It's been great talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for Denzel's uh, dating advice. I'll take that on board going into Friday.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's right. What I say one more time, wash your funky ass. That's what you do. Okay. All right. You wash it. You can't walk around here with a smell of like booty sauce and soggy dog. You can't do that, right? Huh? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. How dare you want somebody to go down there where you smell like salt and vinegar potato chips huh yeah we're gonna get it clean we're gonna get it clean now we're gonna get it clean we're gonna get it clean now
3: <laughs> yeah brother no doubt man thank you
0: thank you so much jay you take care you too <laughs> Should have seen my face. (laughs) You probably heard the giggles, but those impressions at the end were extraordinary. They were absolutely brilliant. He is a master of his craft. A big thank you to Jay Farrow. So much fun. And actually, what an incredible story. Similar to Gemma Whelan last week, very tenacious. You know what? You see somebody like Jay on an American talk show or SNL, and it all looks so effortless. And then you talk to him there and you understand all the work that goes on behind the scenes, the pressure, trying to come up with new material each week, nailing a new impression and the sacrifice. His sister and him giving up so much just to get started on the road. And what proceeds is this journey to SNL in, in a relatively short space of time, which is, again, this sort of the mecca of improv comedy, an American institution, It's a pretty incredible story. It was also a lot of fun hearing about his experiences doing an impression of somebody to their face, an Obama. And, you know, if Kanye is getting upset with you, prime Kanye at that time, that's a good sign, right? You know you've made it. So kudos right there. Big thank you to Jay. Thoroughly enjoyed that. That was a great chat. Amazing stories in there. If you want to see more of Jay, go on YouTube. There's so much content of him just smashing it with these impressions And next week, we will have a star from Pretty Little Liars, Ashley Benson, who's going to come on and talk about her new series, all recorded before the actors strike. She's another guest of ours that has an amazing story. So check that out when that drops. So hopefully see you next week. Ciao, guys.